Blog Talk Radio. to the Frontier Beyond Fear. I'm Susan Larison-Dans, and today is Saturday, July 22nd, 2023, and I'm welcoming those of you joining me live and those of you joining me in the podcast across time. This broadcast is live just about every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio. And FrontierBeyondFear.com is a place where you can discover more about this broadcast. Also syndicated in many places, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, Google and Apple Podcasts, um, many different syndicates. So you can listen at your convenience. Today, I was really guided once again to this topic, and that's true almost every week. Um, And it kind of came about in a way I didn't expect, drawing my attention to a particular passage, which I'm going to read later, in a very open way that will be approachable for everyone, no matter what your particular spiritual path May be, and that will be from the book of James in the Bible. But I also would like to start the program, um, which is very much about how we can be more mindful. And as you'll see when I read that later passage, we are imperfect in this. We are very imperfect in terms of how we use our words and how quickly. We can react, especially when we're in stress or in fear. This is a program about fear that's been on the air for many years, talking about fear, and the understanding of fear has evolved in that time. Um, How can we be more aware, more mindful of how we choose to speak so that there is wisdom and not just a flash reaction, which is almost never the right approach. It can lead to some things that I will tell you that in my life, when that has happened sometimes, it has actually maybe at first led to something that seemed adverse, but then it actually was a part of my path, even though it was adverse, because everything is a part of your journey. Even those imperfect moments, And it, you know, led to my being freed. Had I not um, spoken up, and there is a difference between speaking up and being really super reactive. Um, If if I hadn't kind of 
you know, had a flash moment like that years ago, I can tell you right now, I would not be doing this show. I never would have started it. A lot of things in the spiritual community I probably never would have done. I was already um, a part of the spiritual community, but um, it's interesting how an imperfect moment can lead to growth in ways that we don't expect. So one of the first things I do want to say at the outset is that we do need to acknowledge that we are all human beings having a human experience. And as much as we want our behavior to be aligned with the omnipresent, unconditional love of the divine, um, we are going to fall short sometimes and we'll disappoint ourselves. And it's important to acknowledge those moments and say, oh, yeah, I could have done better. And maybe, depending on the situation, apologize. Actually, in that moment a long time ago, which happened in the corporate world, and really for some very good reasons, as I had someone lashing out at me, and I lashed back. And then, actually, we had a wonderful conversation that resolved the situation. But the problem was, in that environment, And there was a lot going on at the time. I'm not going to get into all of that, including a recession that was getting really bad. Um, It it changed some things in a way that um, could not really be changed back to the way they were, but for good reason. Ultimately, I actually walked away from a situation there that occurred later when um, someone also was very um, careless with their words in a um, truly a way that would not be considered allowed and really wasn't then. Um, And I just, I'd had enough. Um, And honestly, I suppose if that person hadn't behaved so badly that day, um, I'd still be in the corporate world. And I would not have done this show most likely because I wouldn't have had time. And a lot of things never would have happened on my spiritual path. So it's important to go into this realizing there are times that we are not going to speak in a balanced, calm way. But we can learn over time to improve. That is absolutely the case, and it makes a real difference in our world right now. I know that you may be hearing other voices talking about, in fact, I've been hearing a number of voices on, you know, from multiple viewpoints lately, talking about de-escalating the rhetoric that's going on. You can still be very interested in truth. Um, Truth is important. The last episode was about looking for clarity and truth and what love has to say about that, how the light reveals the clarity of truth. We can be truth seekers and speakers of truth or our exploration of truth when there are things that we want to share, but at the same time, we can learn to speak wisely. Somewhat coincidentally, the topic of this show, which was quite spontaneous, um, the first part, Words of Wisdom, 
um, of course, that invokes a memory of the song Let It Be. And just a few episodes ago, I had an episode called Let It Heal, also very relevant here. Because when we are responding from our wound, which is really what it is, there is a wound that we feel and it can cause us to um, lash out. When that happens, what we really do need to do is let it heal. So I want to begin this program before I go into this chapter in the book of James, which I will preface a little bit with how we are going to explore it um, because it's a product of its time. And although it's a somewhat more modern translation, there will be things in there that not everyone and even I, you know, will question how it's stated. And that's fine. But there are words of wisdom within it that are important for us to hear. And it just synchronistically came across my path this week. And I saw immediately that it had something to say to us broadly to many of us, no matter what our spiritual path. So I really want to, I've done this, I've read from this book in the past. It's been a while, and it's usually at the end of the program, so I thought I would start at the beginning. And this is from Immaculate Elabajiza's book, Left to Tell, and she was born 1972 in Rwanda, and at she speaks of how she went through a horrendous situation where many in her family were killed. I mean, her culture just totally broke down, and neighbor was attacking neighbor. And so in the aftermath of all of this, and she was hiding um, in a bathroom um, for a very long time trying to keep her safe, Um, there was a priest who was hiding a number of people, and they would have killed her, and they were looking for her. And her society, the words were over, and it became um, really the worst possible situation that one could imagine. Well, at the end of all of this, when she emerged, she actually, and she describes this in her book, I won't read this passage, but she describes um, forgiving a neighbor who had um, literally lashed out in this situation. He was in prison at that time. And even the prison guard um, was really kind of upset with her. Like, how could you forgive this person? It didn't mean that she condoned his actions, but she knew that everyone needed to move forward. And that's why I wanted to read just a little bit right at the end, actually, of the epilogue of her book. And I'll just read a couple of sentences here and there. She says, okay, actually, I'm going to go a little backwards. She was in a seminar, and a 92-year-old lady put her arms around her and hugged her. And she says, I'll never forget her words. I thought it was too late for me to forgive. I've been waiting to hear someone say what you did. I had to know that it was possible to forgive the unforgivable. 
I am at peace now, unquote. That's what a 92-year-old lady said in one of her seminars. And um, Immaculate says, as for the land of my birth, and this was written, um, I think, around 2006 maybe, so it's in the past now. As for the land of my birth, I know that Rwanda can heal itself if each heart learns the lesson of forgiveness. Tens of thousands who were jailed for killing during the genocide are starting to be released into their own towns and villages. So if there was ever a time for forgiveness, it is now. Rwanda can be a paradise again, but it will take the love of the entire world to heal my homeland. And that's as it should be. For what happened in Rwanda happened to us all. Humanity was wounded by the genocide. The love of a single heart can make a world of difference. I believe that we can heal Rwanda and our world by healing one heart at a time. I hope my story helps. And again, this is from Immaculate Elabajesus. I always have trouble saying her last name. Book, Left to Tell. And I encourage you to look for that, although it's not an easy story. Her story is also told in a wonderful film and book, both The Power of the Heart. Um, so, and she, um, so if you find a way, in fact, I interviewed um, the person who wrote that book, Baptiste Pop, years ago, and also made the movie um, with the director of The Secret. And um, it's, a, it's a very deep movie. It, it's much deeper um, than The Secret. Um, but, um, you, I encourage you to look into that. So now I am going to shift gears here, and I am going to, just as I read 1 Corinthians 13 last week, and I've read that one many times, I was led to this passage in the past week, and I feel that it can be read in much the same way. So let me just get myself situated here. And let me say um, a sincere thank you to Blog Talk Radio right now for featuring this broadcast number one on their homepage under live shows, which doesn't happen every week and also under live and spirituality. I really appreciate that because... We really do seek this as much as it can maybe, you know, it feels good in the moment to say what you need to say, get it off your chest, so to speak. The fact of the matter is after that happens, it actually doesn't feel so good. And the impact is not so good either because it really doesn't help. You can speak truths. You can Speak up, but you have to do it in such a way that builds bridges. Because if you're not going to build a bridge, then you're not going. The, the idea here is to keep from um, happening the tragedies in our world. 
um, is to find ways that we can understand one another better. You don't have to agree to understand, although understanding can lead to amazing depths of insight. And it helps us to help one another. Um, Before I read this passage, I'll say one more thing. Um, You know, I used to be a part of a giant community event, and eventually I was part of it for many years. It was a big festival, and we all dressed up, or many of us dressed up in costume. Um, It was both medieval and modern. It was like kind of a modern-day Renaissance fair, only um, with modern elements mixed in. So, and there were all kinds of people who volunteered to help with this event. And we were from all different viewpoints, from multiple spiritual backgrounds, multiple political backgrounds, and yet we all worked together and we would just have some great conversations. I mean, here I was, um, you know, I already had this show And sometimes I was a little self-conscious because I was just so out there with my spirituality. You know, what would people think? And, you know, not all of them even knew about it, really. But, those, you know, I got into some amazing conversations. The exact same thing happened on the Oprah Forum years ago when many of us were participating in discussions. And she encouraged this kind of open sharing. We didn't all agree. But, you know, viewpoints started to shift and there were there was more understanding and it didn't. And the interesting thing is everybody shifted. It wasn't just my way or the highway. And we shifted in the direction of love. Words of wisdom. Words based in unconditional love. Words very much immersed in what we looked at in 1 Corinthians 13 last week. Those words will not only bring us inner peace, but outer peace. And it is indeed the answer. And more people are thankfully saying it. All right. James chapter 3. In this version, it starts with taming the tongue. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Let's stop right there. Well, actually, let's go Let's go one more, one more verse, then we'll stop. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So um, those first two verses are saying that even if you are a teacher, in fact, especially if you're speaking and teaching, um, you will be assessed. Let's use that word a little bit. That's a gentler word than judged. But, you know, you are speaking. And so it can seem like, oh, you know, if you don't live up to your words, maybe you're a hypocrite, right? Well, the next verse tells us 
that, you know, we all stumble in many ways. We're having a human experience here on this planet. And so none of us is perfect. And if we are speaking for others, sure, we may want to to put out even more of an effort um, to live our lives as, and as as much of an example as we can, but we will all fail at times. The same is true of parenting. You know, those parents out there, any of us who, is, who have been parents, I mean, um, there it's impossible to be perfect as a parent, but we can... We always want to strive to being that example. And I may skip some of this. This is a pretty long passage. So I am going to skip some verses. Um, And he talks about, um, in fact, let's just paraphrase a little bit how how we learn how to tame things and some of the language here. I'm just not going to go through it all. Um, And we can learn to tame our speech. You know, it's really more we're speaking from the mind, even though we may be being mindful. You know, that word mindful also, it actually means to keep the um, things of the mind that may steer us in the wrong way, that may steer us in a more fear-based way, to keep that in check, to tame it, to tame it. We have the ability to continually improve. Now, um, he says in verse 9, Um, well, before that, that when we don't tame it, it can be poisonous. And is that ever true? You know, when we um, speak too rapidly and maybe we're really upset, um, it can be like a poison. It can take take time to recover from that. Sometimes you can never really take the poison back, although forgiveness, when it exists among people, can Um, That is the antidote to any poison. But it can feel that way. And when there is no forgiveness and when there is no um, intent to understand, then it can truly feel like we've poisoned a situation by speaking too quickly, too rashly, without really thinking from the heart. Now he says in verse 9, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Now, I will say in verse 9 that uh, many of us have come to see the um, both that, that there is a spectrum within God. So there is there is more. Than much more than what's expressed in this verse. But what's important is what he's talking about is actually the concept of namaste. Is here we're lashing out at our fellow human beings without realizing that, hey, they are a part of the omnipresent divine. And we're all having this 
imperfect experience here on this planet. And if we can recognize that, it can so change. They are on soul journeys just like we are. And no one is apart from the omnipresent divine. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So, um, you know, one minute um, we may be praising, the next minute, you know, lashing out. This is this is not helpful on our way to both inner and outer peace. And the two clash, keeping in mind that, yes, we are imperfect. The next passage is labeled Two Kinds of Wisdom, chapter, verse 13. And again, I'm reading um, the book from the book of James, chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Verse 15. Such wisdom, and that's in quotes, does not come down from heaven, but is, and I'll skip over a little bit here, unspiritual, basically. Actually, it says the word unspiritual. Verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice, which we can consider darker rather than filled with light. So here we actually go towards thinking about our lives, even beyond what we are saying. How are we living? So are we poisoning our minds, our hearts? Although our hearts really can't be poisoned, love resides there, but are we blocking what our hearts are capable of by harboring um, bitter envy, um, selfish ambition, meaning that we take on um, leadership roles only to make ourselves look good. And he talks about just how important humility is, that that's what comes from wisdom, not pride, humility, so that we see, oh, yeah, I'm a human being having a human experience, it's going to be imperfect because I've blinded myself as souls. We have blinded ourselves to the full power, the full visibility of the loving, omnipresent divine. We are here to learn by through our choices. To, we have free choice here, and we are learning and growing as souls. And that's humility to see and to really see that, you know, it doesn't matter what we do. You can still celebrate your accomplishments. That's okay, especially if it can be put in service. Even accomplishments that maybe in the past were not put in the kind of service to the omnipresent divine. 
that you would like, you can still celebrate that each and every one of those experiences will now help you to contribute to the world and to not just feed your selfish ambitions. Verse, or verse 17 of James chapter 3. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Verse 18. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So, um, let's look at that. And I know the live show is coming to an end. Um, you'll be able to hear the very end of this program in the podcast. It won't go too far over, I think. You, I think, think today I'll be accurate that it won't go too far over. Um, FrontierBeyondFear.com, where to find out more. Thank you to Blog Talk Radio for featuring and highlighting this show in such an incredible way. Because, again, the feeling of that does feel good, but I try to keep it down from being some selfish ambition. It is of service to helping myself and you because the words I hear as I speak as well. So I will continue into the podcast here for just a short while, which you'll find right after the show is done. So let's review this last passage here. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Well, okay, that's coming from pure unconditional love. And even in this very source, we talk in other places about heaven really essentially being everywhere because the omnipresent divine is everywhere. Um, it's just that we can't see it. We've distanced ourselves from it. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Does submissive mean not speaking up when we need to? Not, um, you know, standing up for for compassion and love and things. No, that's that's not what it means. I interpret it as a form of surrender to the greater knowledge of the omnipresent divine that we are a part of it, but we can't see everything. Just like in 1 Corinthians 13, we see through a mirror darkly. We only see part of the picture. And I truly believe that is by choice as souls to come here so that we can learn the lessons that we need to learn because we are a part of the creative, omnipresent divine. We are expressions of the divine having a human experience. We all must be. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the omnipresent divine within everyone and have it be pure love and be separate from that love. But still, we can be in a space of surrender of trust trusting the path like there may be something that we don't expect some adverse thing that comes up trust the path through it years ago in the corporate world i i would have stayed there i had my dream job i loved that job um and it really was making a difference i felt it was you know increasing more collaboration and it was even bringing 
really some of the things that I was um, um, expressing spiritually, even already on the Oprah forum at the time, into the office without in a non-spiritual way, in the sense of, you know, how can we we understand one another more? But you know, it was not to last. I wasn't meant to stay in the corporate world, and so when things changed rapidly, even as um, you know, I was pushed and then I walked away. You know, as that that became clear, it took a while to see the implications of that. You know what it means. Um, and I had to be in a space of trust, and I'm still in that space of trust today, that space of surrender. And I can see how it's led to amazing growth experiences and experiences where I've been able to help um, others just in a community or even just spending time with this show, for example, even though it's much more gentle now or in other work that I might do now. Um, I'm sure you can think of examples in your own life. So it's pure. Well, that means really pure life. Peace-loving, considerate, full of mercy and good fruit. So full of mercy, that's forgiveness. That's what Immaculate was talking about. Um, Some people have called that radical forgiveness because the truth of the matter is if you read the history of the world and various conflicts, one will lead to another and it's vengeance after vengeance after vengeance after vengeance being expressed. And it never, ever ends until we find this space of finding a way to heal our wounds and um, you know, it doesn't mean we let someone just run roughshod over us who is, you know, totally um, um, doing very harmful things. Um, but we have to find a way to work with one another more and listen to one another and also explore what the truth is. Because far too often, um, not only is history written in a very Um, partial way, you know, that's often been said, it's been written by the victors, but it isn't just that. It's written by people with a particular point of view. And so if we can find our way to more truth, and if I might add a seed, I almost did a show about this this week, but I decided to wait. Um, I heard that there is more and more discussion, even among academics, about having to verify what AI is saying is true. And that is very important. In fact, that's so synchronistic because I was just having that conversation with um, someone I work with who's um, very, very intent on, who works with various scientists and things and really wants more um, accurate data to be out there. Um, And, um, you know, how important it is. And there's so many examples now, even just obvious ones recently. I talked about on a recent show where, you know, if it's just based on hearsay that's gone into a database somewhere, which is the case with a lot of the so-called facts that are out on the Internet right now and not on solid original sources and data and a human being intervening, that's what came up. 
um, the people, more people are starting to say that I actually now believe, and I believe I said it last week or the week before, that whenever I said it, that it's going to result in more verifiers of data among human beings as opposed to just trusting everything AI says because AI is based, and the truth of the matter is what's online, some of the facts, the so-called facts that are online, they've been skewed over the years. And we are going to, I think, move into a time of more verification where we are going to want to see the original documents. Um, I talked about on the last show about my interest in Mother Shipton, um, or last couple episodes, and how just about everything on the Internet about her is wrong. And it can be proved wrong. It's just not coming from accurate sources. But because it's been like a game of telephone for literally, um, you know, centuries now, um, no one is going back and analyzing those sources. And the other side of that is some people are, and they're saying it's all false. She never lived. She was a myth. And there actually are some facts that can point to her having lived. But who was she really? Um, I'm continuing to develop that site, mothershipton.com, which I've been working on for many years, and it's very dense. It has a lot of information. I'm actually going to take some of that off soon and reorganize it um, in a different way. But the fact of the matter is if that is what was fed into the database for AI to work with, for example, as a basis of what it knows about Mother Shipton, well, then it would be, as we say in the computer science world, garbage in, garbage out. It would not be possible for it to um, return accurate information about Mother Shipton because it would have been based on what was at the beginning inaccurate. It can help us to find more facts without a doubt. It could be used as a tool, but we must never surrender all our trust to it just because it says this and that's it we're done no always question always look deeper deeper look for truth because that happens far too often good fruit being filled with good fruit and i love this impartial and sincere notice that why would it say impartial when it seems that partiality is so important on important love-based issues? Because when the facts surface, we become less partial. We simply have the facts, and it's easier to see what the nuances of various issues are, for example, and there's greater understanding. How often anymore do you ever hear anyone conceding a point to the other side? It just doesn't happen, not often. And yet there are subtleties that we need to explore that reveal more clarity and truth. And that's the loving, light-filled thing to do is to be open to changing. Science changes. It doesn't stay the same. Oh, yes, I do have something else to say about that. I happened to go to the new Indiana Jones movie, which I enjoyed. It was interesting. It was about time. But there's one part where 
um, and I'm not giving anything away here. Um, one of the characters who is a professor, who's a colleague of Indiana Jones, um, says that he has this theory about time. It's a very adventurous theory about um, about time, which you know seems even rather magical. And and basically, Indiana Jones said he, to his friend, well, you haven't proved it. And the guy says, um, not yet. Clearly, he, this guy was gathering reams of notes and stuff, trying to prove this thing. And so then Indiana Jones says, proving it is science. Not the process of proving, but the fact that he hadn't proved it yet. That meant it wasn't science. And I was actually sitting next to a scientist watching this film. And um, both of us, we without looking at each other after the film, we talked. And we both wanted to talk about that line, how it struck us both, that we remembered it. And it was one of the first things we wanted to talk about after the film, even though we really enjoyed the film, too. So because true science is continuous questioning the paradigm that it's in. Um, if, if Einstein had never questioned, we would not be where we are. That is science. And what that professor in the film was saying was he hadn't proved it yet, but he was in the process. He had a theory, and he was working to gather the data to prove it. And the interesting thing is by the end of the film, without giving anything away, it was proven. And, you know, it kind of contradict that, contradicted that whole line. Like it wouldn't have even been worthwhile to research because you haven't proved it yet. That's utter nonsense. And we do need to question that boldly and politely and also call out examples. Anyone who wants to debate on that point there, um, we're definitely going to come to a more impartial perspective because the history of science bears it out. It is the process of discovering what is true about reality, and it never stops. It keeps unfolding, and it changes itself. It will reverse itself when it is wrong. And if we never explored new theories um, if we weren't researching, those of us in the spiritual community, um, what we can in the spiritual domain, um, people like at the HeartMath um, organization, they're researching a lot of characteristics of the heart, for example, which is very important when considering what consciousness is and relevant to AI. Um, that's science. That is science. Don't let anyone think that it's some kind of a power trip. In fact, that also contradicts um, this passage. That, you know, science itself, how, you, how do you like this? I just thought of this, has humility. And far too often we're taught that it doesn't. Because there's, there are those who um, will proclaim some truth, some paradigm, and do not want to hear any other theories. That's not a part of humility at all. That's just arrogance. That's what it is. And it's not anything to admire. Um, nor will it bring us forward. And may we all find 
the humility we need because, you know, when something is disproven, um, often people who do that, they're going to be the ones who are going to falsify data and things like that because it's so tied up with their, um, what does this passage say? This is getting deeper. I never know when this show's going to end. Um, their selfish ambition, it's so tied up with that or their wealth or whatever, um, they don't want the actual data to come out. Well, that's not science. That's something else. And it is not wisdom either. All right, let's see. Let's finish this passage. So I was a little bit feisty there, right? Um, I think I did it in balance, but I'm trying um, every day to say things in a balanced way as much as possible. I wasn't like screaming at the top of my lungs or anything like that. It also talks about sincerity. Can you Feel the sincerity of real wisdom. You know, people who aren't sincere, well, you know, they may be some of the people who are trying to pull the wool over your eyes because they're protecting their selfish ambitions. That's not a true exploration of what is real and what can heal us. Peacemakers who so in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So that's the end of James chapter 3. And let's equate righteousness with unconditional love. And what is right? What feels aligned with empathy and understanding and unconditional love? And yes, with truth. Because... Um, all of the rest of that is not wisdom. And our way to peace is by working with our wounds. And we can speak up. I just did. You heard me doing it. I keep working with that, how to do it. So I don't lash out too much. It's really easy to do that. Um but at the same time, we do need to call out the types of behaviors that are leading us in this world to a very dark and dangerous place. And history has shown just how dangerous those places can be. And we can't even conceive with the modern world how dangerous they could be. But at the same time, we are not living as materialists so we can have trust and faith and hope because this is also a miraculous world where things can change and do change and can shift. That's something we have that we can see when we're on a spiritual path that will be proven to anyone listening out there if they ask personally just ask don't ask me just put the question out be careful hold on to your hat a lot of what happened to me happened after i said sincerely there's that word sincere show me the way just be prepared for the answer and it may take your entire life in fact it will and there isn't just um it's not quite so um, clear there is the way it's the way of unconditional love 
It's the way of the omnipresent divine. It is the way of peacemaking in our hearts, with our lives, in our world, and in every relationship we are a part of. And let me remind you at the beginning of that passage, we will go about this imperfectly, but we will learn and grow and remind ourselves and take it a step at a time. And if someone is lashing out, we will do our best to be as balanced as we can. Because usually, as I've learned, um, we've all learned, no doubt, you lash out in response and it just, um, if you don't get to that space of honest forgiveness and quiet, um, it can only, um, it can be destructive. And then there's no chance to learn and grow together. So I will end the show now. I guess I went 20 minutes over the time. Um, But I was wise. You'll notice some shows I set to 30 minutes live. Um, Only an occasional show will I set to 45 minutes live because I cannot predict where I will be led. This show is a spontaneous expression of my heart. I do not have a note around me right now. I just have what I was reading from. Um, And um, it just comes from my heart, from my heart to yours. I think about it a little ahead of time, but there's no rehearsal. It just comes from my heart. So I never quite know where I'm going to be led. There may be some shows in the future. I do intend to do some more shows on AI. You know, I may have some more um, things to report, things from the news that are interesting, how it aligns with what we are exploring here. Um, That can certainly happen in this show as well and will, um, I intend, somewhat more often in the future. But you can expect it will always be a free expression of my heart because it's what I'm led to do. And I hope that it's been helpful to those of you listening. So um, next week I should be here um, live. At this point you're listening to the podcast. Who knows that any time. But um, next Saturday um, this show once again airs live. Saturdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio, and visit FrontierBeyondFear.com, which I actually have to add a couple shows to. It's fallen a little behind um, for more information. And another page to learn more about me, which I've recently updated, and I'm still um, enhancing um, some of these sites. Um, LightedBridge.com is another site you can visit. Thanks again. I will see you next time. Think about this week or whenever you're listening, how you can be mindful in the moment. It's a split second. You make that decision not to lash out. And we'll all make our imperfect ways forward, but do better. Continually improve consciously. Take care.